Selling real estate has always been one of the most difficult yet most rewarding domains to work in. And my guest for today has had a long and successful career as a realtor. So let's get some winning tips on productivity and success in real estate business from her. Let's dive in. Fall in love with selling as you acquire the right mindset, selling style and sales process that helps you take your business solution to more prospects, potential clients and the world at large. If you are a women entrepreneur who is looking to get more sales, scale and sustainability in your business, you have reached the right place. I'm Roshni Baronia, your host for the show Ace the Sales, which is all about helping you bring your authentic and influential self to each sales conversation. Hey Karen, I'm super excited to have you on the show to deep dive into how to sell when you are in the real estate business. So happy to have you here. Well, and I'm thrilled to be with your Ace to Sale community because who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So of course, before we dive into the tips and tricks of how to be an awesome realtor. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Well, so I am what many people refer to as a mega real estate agent, which means I am the principal or the head of a team in the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. metro region. And my I have a business partner, Lizzie Conroy, and then some agents on our team as well as staff. So in 2020, our team sold over $100 million, which in U.S. is a lot of houses. Wow, <laughs> and, awesome. Um, we're a high cost of living area. So our average sales price is actually a million dollars. So again, we do it with a very sophisticated clientele in the luxury market here in predominantly Northern Virginia. Awesome. And so I, I've been a residential real estate agent for almost two decades, but I started out my career in commercial. I like to say I started out in dirt <laughs> and did land development wow. in Texas for a builder, developer, Trammell Crow. And that's where we would buy land, put in streets, utilities, and sell lots to home builders. So I I've also done another aspect of commercial real estate, and that was uh, working with Nextel and the Stallbuck company managing their sales, engineering, and warehouse offices. I actually found that to be very boring because <laughs> once you've seen one sales engineering warehouse office, you see them all. And it was at the time when the tech bust was happening. So Nextel techno technology, they were in, dis in disposition okay. mode. And that's what led me into residential because I had someone say to me that, you know, I should try it because I, I really didn't like that style of commercial. And so I did. And I found that the reason why I believe I've achieved a high level success is because I have what I call the hard and soft sides of skills. And the hard skills, which are mostly you know thought of in the commercial space are strategy, negotiations, uh, market knowledge. And then the soft side, which people think of in the residential space are the more emotions, people's you know, if you think about when you buy a home, you're likely to have a lot of drama associated with it. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. Uh, with, so many so, emotions going around. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually good at both sides. So that's where I feel like my strengths have, have lie in sales. Right. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so glad that you mentioned these skills, the hard skills and the soft skills of selling. Like, uh, so I've been interviewing quite a lot of guests uh, for the podcast recently. And uh, this is the first time that uh, someone has brought this topic up that, uh, yes, uh, there is aspect of sales where you have to really 
think through the strategy and uh, the numbers. And then again, there is the emotional aspect where you are connecting at a personal level with your uh, prospects. So yeah, that's amazing. Amazing. So uh, let's uh, first discuss, uh, Karen, about your five-minute success concept. That is something very unique that uh, I came across uh, while researching your profile. So talk to us a little bit about that and then we can get into the real estate selling. So the way the five minute success came about is I was doing a lot of coaching and training and mentoring of other real estate agents that were wanting to be successful in the business. And invariably, I found that many of them said that they didn't have enough time uh, Mm -hmm. to invest in their personal and business development. And I find that to be a limiting belief. And the more I've become a time guru, (laughs) I've discovered that it really truly is limiting because when people say they don't have enough time, it's like saying they don't want to. And that's actually a quote from Lazu from 2000 years ago. So I found find that to be true. There's something else going on. So to break down that limiting belief, I said, well, do you have five minutes a day? And everybody has five minutes a day. I have yet had anybody say they don't have five minutes a day. I was like, okay, well, then I want you to focus on it for five minutes a day. And so that led, and then along about the same time, I had a lot of people say I should write a book because when I was doing the speaking and training coaching, I had some kind of bumper sticker ways of telling things, stories that were like sticky and they would remember them. And, And if you think about it, if you're any kind of training or reading anything for to improve your business or life, and you don't remember it when it's time to apply it, then it really is just entertainment, which, you know, has value. But at the same time, if the point of doing it is to improve or make an impact, uh, then remembering it is important. And so what I found is, is that by the way the five minute success book is set up, the real estate success in five minutes a day, because it's a daily reader. So every day, there's a, a principle, a practice, a strategy, and an idea, a concept, and then there's a, a takeaway. And it takes about five minutes. And the idea is if you do it every day, then you're more likely to remember it. So if you're more likely to remember it, then you're going to be more likely to apply it when you need it. Many times training or even just reading books, there's an, a tsunami of information, right? right? So what happens is you just get overwhelmed. So you don't do anything, right? And that's what I was finding. So it can have an impact um, in in many different ways. But the most common I found is some people experience this this snowball effect. Like, you know, they'll read one each day and they'll kind of build this wealth of knowledge. Some people, it's more like a domino. Like they'll hit a concept and it just knocks over a lot of concepts. They just like, you know, have a lot of impact in one fell swoop. Some people, it's more of a ripple right? So you like, you know, throw the pebble in the pond and it's a ripple effect. Some people it's more exponential. Some people it's more of a just total paradigm shift. There's a quote Jim Rohn said, change the way you look at things, the way you look at things changes. Some people just have that. They have that light bulb moment where they're like, okay, I get it now, right? It just like sinks in. So it can have a lot of different impacts for different people. But what I found is, is that it really, it does work. I mean, when I had the idea, I didn't know, but I was like, okay, if I merge you know, a, a concept that's been in motivational and re- religious literature for eons with a business idea, would it, it have the impact that I, I thought it would? And it did. So that's really been exciting. And then that led to the Five Minute Success podcast. And, and now I have three other books. So it's um, wow. it was the first, <laughs> the awesome. first in, this, in my dominoes, if you will. Wow. Awesome. First of all, I loved the way you explained the various ways people 
will take in that information, the impact. Some have light bulb moments. For some, it is a ripple effect. For some, it is a domino effect. Some, it is a paradigm shift. So I love the way you put that. So could you just give a principle from your book, like uh, something which helps people on a daily basis? So any strategy or a principle or a quote from your book, what is within it? Well, so when I wrote the book, I wrote it with the idea that many salespeople, entrepreneurs are very, what we call shiny objects, a squirrel phenomenon, right? They like, Mm -hmm. they're just off to the next thing all the time. Right. And that's really one of their best attributes, right? Because in sales, you just need that energy to go do the next one, the next one. Uh, But what that can do is it doesn't build a wealth of knowledge. So the book is designed to be every day is different, but at the same time, it builds a wealth of knowledge. So in four key areas. So the Mm -hmm. first key area is commit to get leads. So you're ace of sales. You know that without a lead or customer or client or a prospect or whatever you call it, as a salesperson, you don't have anything to do, right? Because, and even in podcasting, right? I mean, the leads are the guests, right? So until you have a guest, I mean, you can talk to yourself, but in most cases, in order to conduct business, it requires being with another person or entity, right? Absolutely. So it starts with commit to get leads. So that's got some principles associated with it. When you said the one thing, I would say that's the one thing because until you have that, you really don't have anything to do. So, and it can impact everything else because everything else comes out of that. So then you have the consult to sell, which is what many people call conversion. So that's strategy and skills, knowledge to be able to take that lead through to actual business on the other end transaction. What often happens with many salespeople, entrepreneurs, uh, those folks, professions is that they get caught up in a, this just this only as good as their next deal, right? They get a lead, they take it to settlement, which is what we do in real estate. And then they wake up and do it all over again. You're like, wow, that's gonna, you're gonna wear yourself out on that hamster wheel. Um, (laughs) So there's there's principles to connect, to build and grow, to create scale systems, leverage, to create a more ongoing, sustainable business. So we have topics on that in the book. And then success, thinking, activities, and vision. So that's mindset and motivation Mm -hmm. because as the salesperson, entrepreneur, you have a vision for what you want your business and life to be. Then you think about how to do it and then you take the actions to put it into place. And then all of that comes together as a sweet spot of success. So again, even though every day is different, it has this core. So uh, many of the topics overlap. They have some of each, you know, several different topics or, or one or two focuses. But the idea is that over time, then you're going to build up this wealth of knowledge. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds so interesting. Covering the four cornerstones of the sweet spot of your success. Awesome. And it requires only five minutes daily. Awesome. So Karen, if we now transition a little bit into actual selling in the real estate world, let's talk a little bit about the scenario when women wear the seller hat in the real estate business. So what are the pros and cons? What works for them, especially especially women? What works against them? And how you feel women can level up their game at selling in the real estate business because you've had such a rich experience in the domain. So please share us a little tip about that. So now is this from the perspective of the agent that's a woman or from the actual sales, uh, the person who's selling their house as a woman? So the person who is selling the house. Selling their house. So I deal with many women. (laughs) It's interesting because oftentimes the woman is taking the lead even in a relationship or a 
marriage mm-hmm. um, because the home is oftentimes, you know, the hearth for the woman and uh, she cares deeply about it because it is where perhaps, you know, they brought home their first dog or raised their children or grew old together there. There's a lot of emotional memories <laughs> associated right. with it. And that's when I find that it's helpful for to help people separate and not separate in a bad way, like, you know, to expunge the memories, but to help them recognize the fact that when they put their home on the market for sale, that it is a commodity. And it even though it's personal to them, it will not feel that way to the buyer. In fact, this is psychological studies, and it's not just women, but it's what's called the endowment effect. So when Mm -hmm. somebody owns something, they Mm -hmm. actually value it and care about it more than the person who would buy it. Because the person who owns it is then going to have to visualize letting go of it and moving on to somewhere else. The buyer just has to decide whether they could visualize themselves there and they can visualize themselves usually in multiple places. So in terms of negotiations, mm-hmm. I found it best if you can take that position to separate yourself. Um, now it is very personal. Right. <laughs> and it's, it is, you know, challenging. There's a movie, uh, You've Got Mail, where Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks have this conversation yes. about not personal, it's business. And she does say later, she goes, yeah, I don't know why everybody thinks that's so true because it is personal. And I I recognize that because people, they really oftentimes don't want to know how much you know until they know how much you feel. And so in terms of recognizing that they feel that way and that other people have felt that way and that what you found is that in order to move forward, I find that most people are more able to move forward, literally, figuratively, once they know where they're going. Call them with not real sellers <laughs> when they're fishing, right? They're like, oh, but if I could get this and I would get that, do that, that is not a real seller perspective. That is is a now in the current market environment right now we have so low inventory and such high demand you know that strategy might work in this type of market but in most markets sellers have to really recognize the fact that they're going to price the home you know at the market or within a market range and that they're going to prepare the home so that it shows so that it is in a the best condition that will attract the most buyers because even though you only need one buyer technically the more it will attract you know multiple buyers or multiple people interested, then the the more likely it's going to sell and sell well. The unsexy secret of growing sales is that not everyone is great at strategic planning. But did you know that you are 42% more likely to achieve your income goals if you have a system that motivates, tracks and improves your progress on a daily basis. The Personal Sales Planner is that very intuitive and holistic sales planning tool which can help you break down your lofty income goals into manageable milestones and doable daily actions. And guess what? You have to spend just 10 minutes with it every single day. So grab your sales planner from bit.ly slash psp-37. The link is given in show notes. It is the only tool you will ever need to do your sales planning. So grab your link from the show notes. It is bit.ly slash psp-37. Right. That's a great perspective to bring about. And I like the way you said that, of course, it is a very emotional place for the seller to be in because there are lots of memories attached and it is a valuable entity for her. Now, if we switch the table to the agent, the real estate agent, what is going on with her? Like, how does she get a buyer who is able to map to this emotional value of the person who is selling the house. 
So it's interesting because it's often the same, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the same experience. And I had it as well early on in the business. And I had to, to learn how to you know create boundaries, if you will, because many women get into residential real estate because they like homes and they like people. And those are great reasons. It's just right. that it's really a business. And when you look at it as a business, then you recognize the fact that people make decisions based on what is good for them and not necessarily whether you're going to be happy about it or not. I mean, they really, they really don't care about the salesperson, honestly. And they and if you get your emotions involved, you can actually trip everything up. And I find that happen. A lot of drama um, associated. And many agents take it personally when an you know when a client or friend or someone they know, even you know, in the neighborhood or their kid's school or church or whatever, that they don't work with them. And I hear this frequently when I go on appointments, and it really upsets sellers. Um, homeowners are like, well, I don't want, you know, all my friends to not be friends anymore. I'm like, well, if that's the true, then if they're not going to be your friend, then they really weren't your friend. I mean, if that is the criteria for their friendship is whether they're going to use you for a business transaction. I mean, you think about dentists and, you know, CPAs and other professionals, we don't necessarily say, oh, I'm not going to be your friend anymore if I don't get my teeth cleaned by you. So I really work very diligently to separate it and to help my friends and my clients and customers Customers recognize that I do look at it like business and that our friendship is not going to be impacted by the, the whether they choose to work with me or not. And I want them to, I suggest or recommend when people ask, well, how do I pick? I was like, well, you should pick the person who's most qualified right. at your home in terms of experience or knowledge of the market or you know those type of attributes, which are business related to conducting the transaction rather than whether, you know, it was your mother's best friend or whatever. Now, there is benefit to working by referral and to work with people you know because you already like and trust them. And so that's where most of my business comes from. I, what I'm just saying is separate the fact that emotionally you're not going to, as an agent, allow what they decide to do to impact you because that is what often holds people back because they don't reach out because they're afraid of that dynamic happening. They don't reach out. They don't express or send out this message that, you know, I'm ready, willing, and able to help people. They're they're putting up, even if it's just emotional or mental barriers, they're putting up barriers. Wow. Yes, rightly said. Another thing that I wanted to touch upon in the realm of real estate selling was negotiations because I've been into sales consulting for a real estate firm which was into industrial selling and negotiations can be really, really hard and they can stretch to like eternity. So what are your tips and advice to get better at negotiating when into a real estate business? Well, in residential real estate, it usually happens fast. It, in fact, that surprises people. They're like, oh my God, don't I have time to think about it? I'm like, well, in many cases, it's like someone is in love in the beginning. <laughs> and that love, you know, oftentimes over time, they're going to like, oh, well, I don't love it as much. Or they'll start looking somewhere else. I mean, particularly in this day and age where there's so much information available and everybody gets pinged on their device as soon as something hits the market. And so then there's just this oh, well, let's go look at that. And let's go look at that. Let's go look at that. So I do find there is this honeymoon period of when an offer comes in, when a buyer makes an offer and when you come to an agreement. If that happens within 
24 to 48 hours, it's most likely going to go to settlement. If it drags out, then both sides are digging in their heels and and I've got to have you know my price or I got to have my terms or I got to have my whatever. In a normal market, I will say we're not necessarily in a normal market right now. Many people ask, well, what is the range that a buyer can write an offer and not offend a seller? Because I'll hear this over and over again. Well, I want to write a lowball offer. I was like, well, what's your definition of lowball offer? And what is the seller's definition of lowball offer? Probably going to be different. And this is called a, an oftentimes referred to as envelope in the negotiation, Harvard negotiation project. So the, the, both sides have a number. They do, whether they tell you or not. Now, the seller's number, yes. you should know because they've listed it for sale. I find that the buyer's number is 10% is the range in a normal market where a buyer can come in and not offend a seller enough to have a reasonable opportunity to coming to a number in between. And there's lots of research on this. There's a, a book about negotiation strategy that I often reference that it's this, that 10%. Now, if that isn't true for that particular market area, then the way you would know what's true is to look and see what the, the percentage of sold to list price is for that. Because you know, it is often a tale of several markets. It's not like a tale of one market, like upper brackets may price out differently than condos versus, you know, industrial, right. whatever. So, but but start with the 10% and then look and see what's in the middle, right? Because in negotiation strategy, meeting the middle is the top negotiation strategy. So when I present an offer to a seller from a buyer, I, I say they're going for this number here in the middle. And the closer the seller will come down to that number in the middle, the greater the probability is that they will come to an agreement. In fact, I actually believe that sellers should come at about a, a 60%. So like a 50% is the middle you know, between the two. Mm-hmm, and they right. should come at like 60, maybe 65. Now, this is where the opportunity to be a great strategy <laughs> Strategist negotiation agent is because you have to help the seller see that. Because most sellers are like, oh, I got to leave more room. I got to leave more room. I'm like, you think you're leaving more room for negotiation, but what you're actually doing in many cases is sending the message that you're not working with them because they've already told you what their number is and their number is somewhere in the middle. So the closer you come to the middle and then many people will say, oh, again, back to the whole, I got to leave room for negotiation. It's like, well, actually what we have found is the closer the price is, the list price and the offer price are to the market, the more likely you're going to get there. Both of them, the farther they way, the way they are, then the less likely you are going to get there um, because then the buyer is going to either wait for the seller to experience the market conditions and adjust their price or take that property off the market or whatever it is they're going to do other than be a real seller. That's not a real seller because a real seller is going to recognize the market conditions because fair market value requires a buyer to agree with their price. Absolutely. Right. And so it's how do you help people see that? Because many people have their own ideas about how negotiations are going to take place and they call it all the family. Everybody's got an uncle or a friend or whatever in the business and they're all telling them, you know, what they think. And so helping them to view it in a way that could come to an agreement, which is my objective, right? My objective is 
to get the parties to come to an agreement. Yeah, that's what actually negotiation bottles down to. It is an agreement and both sides have to see the win-win scenario in that. Absolutely. So lastly, Karen, what are some of the challenges that you faced or you might have overcome related to mindset, strategy or gender biases that you faced, particularly in this industry? So you've been a seasoned entrepreneur and person working in this industry. So anything that you have experienced as a limiting belief for yourself, which was there earlier, but with time, you overcame that and now have mastered it. So in terms of the profession of residential real estate, it is predominantly a female profession. More women are in residential real estate. The thing is, is once the higher you go up, the less that rings true. There are more men who run mega teams, who run the brokerages, who run the the offices. And I recognize that when I have been part of masterminds and groups, even in podcasting, I mean, women are still like, what, I don't know, reflection of uh, the numbers are not as, as many in it. And so why I see or what I see, the reason the distinction is, is that men automatically view it as a business and they they go into it knowing they are running a business <laughs> and they set up the systems as if they're running a business and women go into it often in residential real estate often as a side hustle, which it was a side hustle for me too. I started out part-time in residential. I was the primary caregiver for our two kids, my husband's travel schedule and just required somebody to be home and I was it. Even though now there are roles are completely reversed. I'm the primary breadwinner and actually earned way more money than my husband ever did. We should wow, have kudos to you. early on, right? <laughs> So that is a something that I've seen, but women can do it. And, and I'm here to say share that message. I mean, if I can do it, you can too. And, and again, I did start out as a part-time agent and then recognized very quickly, I did have a business background. I did come from commercial and my father is an entrepreneur. So I had already, those were my strongest skill sets, honestly. Sales is something I had to learn. It was the other way around. I came in as a business person and I learned sales skills, but mostly around lead generation and service. And that's... That's the other thing I will say. Women are often very good at serving. Oftentimes, though, they hold themselves back when it comes to lead generation. They're concerned about what somebody might think or what might happen. And so they allow those to to hold them back and be limiting beliefs. And along the same lines of what I was sharing about how you could start at any time, many women uh, do step out of profession and to raise children or to care for elderly parents or because of COVID or whatever. I mean, it's lots of reasons, health reasons, but you really can start at any time. I didn't become full-time business owner until I was 50 and my son was in college. So I have accomplished a great deal in decade. Wow, um, awesome. And so I will just say that there is that ability. And for so if you're a woman out there and you're like going, it's too late for me, I don't believe that. I think I'm just getting started. I mean, I just, now I just published my fourth book. I, you know, have my five minute success podcast, which is over 350 episodes. And so I want to encourage women because even though those are, you know, what is common, it doesn't mean it has to be for you. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. You've put that so beautifully. 
that it's never too late to get started and you are just getting started. So that is kudos, exciting. kudos to yeah, you. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. So it was lovely to have this conversation with you, Karen. You gave so many insights and more than that, inspiration to all the women out there who are just sitting on the fence thinking whether they will be able to make a career in real estate or launch into entrepreneurship. So yes, thank you so much for sharing your encouragement and inspiration. Well, and I would uh, love to open up to your community that I do have a a one-on-one coaching program where I take a few limited number of clients and you can have a a free 30-minute call to see if that's something that you would be interested in. You just go to the 5-Minute Success podcast, which is the number 5-Minute Success, Mm -hmm. and then there's a tab for work with Karen. So you can schedule a call with me and we can see if I could help you achieve a higher level of success. Sure. That sounds great. I'll put that uh, link in the show notes. And uh, of course, people can uh, visit that link and explore working with you. Yes. And then the books are available on Amazon. So I have four now, uh, Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day. And the two books that are what I call just jumpstart books, 66 day challenge books. So one on commit to get leads and one on consult to sell just came out. And then flip time, love life, which is a story. So which is actually told in the voice of a woman. Uh, So many of your women may, uh, your audience or women may, or people, men who have women in their lives, (laughs) like, okay, I want that inspiration. It's an inspiring story to tell how to go on your heroine's journey and to find that you're you're calling and go on it and um, pursue your dream. So you live the life you love as you create and co-create the life of your dream. Awesome. Awesome. Live the life you love. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Karen. It was lovely having you here. Well, thank you for allowing me to be with your community today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode. I'm sure you were able to find some key learnings and takeaways from today's episode, which will help you grow your business to the next level. And if that's the case, make sure that you share this episode with two of your business buddies because you never know that they might also find some insight which will help them in their business. Knowledge, after all, grows by sharing it further, right? So do share it with two of your business buddies. Also, if you like ACSA's podcast, consider sharing five-star review and rating on Apple iTunes because that will help us take the podcast to many more women just like yourself who are looking to find sales success in their business. Also, it will mean the world to us, especially myself and my team who are putting loads of efforts to bring this podcast to you. And lastly, remember to connect with me on Instagram at Roshni underscore Baronia because I would love to know more about you, your business and what is it that you need help with when it comes to selling. So connect with me on Instagram, leave a review and share the podcast with two of your business buddies. I will meet you next Thursday. Stay tuned and stay safe and happy selling.